0: Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. Well, I don't know about you folks, but I hate shopping. Anyone else here hate shopping? Hands if you hate shopping. Okay, I see a few. How many love shopping? Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not one of you then. <laughs> Those of you who said I hate shopping, we can hang out, we can chat. Uh, <laughs> I hate shopping. I don't like shopping. I don't like going to stores. Never have. It has nothing to do with the COVID stuff, nothing about wearing a mask while I'm in a store. Even before all that was going on, I did not like shopping. Anytime Olivia and I go out shopping together, well, let's just say it gets interesting. Olivia would be the type that would love to shop, and I'm the type that hates to shop. Oftentimes, I'll just sit out in the car and say, no, you go in, and and you take care of the grocery list, and you go in, and and you get that item we talked about. I'll just sit out here, close my eyes. I don't want to go in there. I don't like shopping but anytime we're in a store together and we are doing the shopping together, uh, I will look at the price tags first. And oftentimes I will say, nope, I don't want that. Nope, we're not getting that. I am not willing to pay that price. Now in life, everything has a price. Everything has a cost whether that be your groceries or whether that be your bills or whether that be gas in the car, whether that be a trip or a vacation. Not just money though, everything has a cost, whether it be your time, whether it be your energy, whether it be your values and so on. Everything in life has a price tag. It might be a financial price tag or it might be a price tag of some other kind. But everything in life has a price, and the question we have to ask is, are we willing to pay that price? When I go shopping, usually the answer is no, I'm not. But for other things, we have to ask, are we willing to pay the price? Following Jesus has a price associated with it you turn in your bibles to matthew chapter 19 starting in verse 16 that is where we're going to be looking today so if you have a bible or if you have the bible app you can follow along with me there matthew chapter 19 matthew is one of the four gospels you'll find it at the very beginning of the new testament so the back of the book almost maybe three quarters of the way uh, just a little context before we jump in so jesus is teaching at this point in time He's doing some teaching with all these crowds and all these different groups of people. He's teaching about different various things. And then he gets to the point in his teaching where he's almost doing a Q&A session, you could call it. And so the Pharisees, are coming up to him. They're asking him questions about marriage. And people are asking him about who is the greatest. And people are asking him questions about children and parenting and so on. And then we get to where we're looking at this morning, starting in verse 16, and this is the story of the rich young ruler. He has a question for Jesus, too. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. So this is our scripture this morning. And what we're going to do is we're just going to take a deep dive into what this is section of scripture has to teach us today about the price or the cost of following jesus so like i said jesus is teaching the crowds he's doing this q a and this rich young guy comes up to jesus with this question teacher what good thing must i do to get eternal life this is a question that i think we all ask at some point in our life regardless of where we come from regardless of our religious background, regardless of what our family upbringing's about. You see, we are all conscience, conscious of our own mortality. We understand that death is an inevitable thing that none of us here can avoid. It's going to come at some point. Death comes to all, as they say. It's an inescapable experience. As a pastor, I've frequently had the privilege and opportunity to conduct different funerals over the years, and I'm always struck, every single time I do one, at the shortness and the frailty of life. Death comes to all. Life is short. And we all grapple with this question of, is there life beyond the grave, and if so, how do I get there? What must I do? This is exactly what the rich young man is asking Jesus. What must I do to get into the next life? Now Jesus gives his first answer, but there's a distinction because Jesus doesn't quite answer this question right away. He says, if you want to enter life, then follow the Ten Commandments, basically, is what he says. Jesus lists different commandments from uh, the, the law of Moses, and says, well, just do that, and you'll have a good life, and, and you'll be all right. You'll be all set. But the rich young man somehow understands that doing so is just not enough. He asks, what do I still lack? All of these things I've been doing my entire life, ever since I was a young kid, I've, I've not... Murdered. I've not committed adultery. I've not stolen anything. I have not lied. I have not dishonored my parents. I've loved every single neighbor as myself. And you got to be thinking, whoa, like this rich young guy, he's pretty moral. He's pretty upstanding. I I wish I could be a little more like him. There's times where I know I've fallen short of these laws. And yet this guy's like, I've done it. I've met it. But I'm still lacking something. This is where Jesus goes and gives some more instruction. You see, morality is just not enough. It's a widely held belief in the Christian church that you don't get saved based on your good works or on your morality. Just because you're a good person does not mean you just get to go to heaven someday at the end of your life. So, this rich young guy, he was morally perfect, probably more than any of us in this room. But at the end of the day, he knows it's not enough and asks, what do I still lack? So Jesus then goes on and gives a second answer. He says, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now, I've heard this specific verse preached on many times by other pastors, and typically it's used as a, well, you shouldn't have any money, give away all your money. Um, that's, that's the bottom line of this story. There's some truth in that, but I think it's a little broader than that. I think what Jesus is trying to get at is the heart of this specific person. For this rich young guy, he was attached to his wealth. If he wasn't, he wouldn't have gone away sad, but we know he was attached to his wealth. But we can look at this as Jesus saying, You need to give up the thing that you're attached to most. You need to give up the thing that is a hindrance to your relationship with me. You need to pay the price if you want to follow me by giving up that which is in the way of our relationship. Every now and then I hear people ask this question to me. They say, well, can I still be a Christian and fill in the blank? It could be anything. Can I be a Christian and still drink alcohol? Can I be a Christian and own a social media account? Can I be a Christian and own a fancy car? Can I be a Christian and own property? Can I be a Christian and not have to quit my job? Can I be a Christian and fill in the blank? This question gets asked over and over to me, and I'm sure maybe you've had that question asked to you Or maybe you've asked that question yourself. Can I be a Christian and fill in the blank? Scripture is pretty clear about the do's and don'ts. And so we can look at those and go, okay, I think I have a pretty good idea of the things I should be doing and the things I should not be doing. But there's these things in life that don't fall into those categories. They're sort of a morally neutral or a gray area. Some things are black and white, but not everything is. Some things are these gray things. And so these gray things, these things that don't quite fit in these neat little categories, are oftentimes the things we're asking about. Can I be a Christian and fill in the blank? And so let's take some of these examples. Take alcohol, for example. Can I be a Christian and drink alcohol? Yep. You can. There's nothing in Scripture that says you can't. The do's and don'ts say, well, don't get drunk. Okay, that's pretty clear. I can do that. Can I be a Christian and have a social media account? Yep, you can. Nothing in Scripture says you shouldn't. Nothing says you can't own a car. Nothing says you can't have a house. Nothing says that you can't for these morally gray things. But here's the thing. All of these morally gray things that don't fit in these neat little boxes have the power and the potential to become lords in our life. For this rich young ruler, his lord was his wealth, and Jesus knew that. That's why he calls him out on it. He says, you must give that up. That thing that you're attached to, that thing that's putting a wedge in our relationship, you need to give that up. And so this morning, maybe you're here and you're thinking, hmm, I've got some stuff in my life that's not intrinsically evil or bad, not intrinsically good either, just sort of neutral. And I kind of like it. It's kind of fun. It's not like causing me to sin, it's not causing me to fall apart. But maybe that something is a something that is in the way of your relationship with God. If you're asking that question, can I still be a Christian and fill in the blank, my first response is, Well, why do you care? Why is that so important to you? Why bring that up? See, I think anytime that question is asked, can I be a Christian and still fill in the blank, that reveals something in your heart that is probably an idol, probably a wedge, probably something in the way of our relationship with God. So this verse is not a lesson that we all have to just get rid of our wealth, but we need to let go of the things that we're attached to, the things that are a wedge in our relationship with God. See, God wants us to give up the things that we're attached to. This young ruler, he was attached to his wealth. But if you look ahead, Jesus says later on, there are other things that we get attached to, not just wealth. He, Jesus points out family members. He points out houses. He, he points out fields, which you could look at as maybe your job or your form of income. There are things in life that they can even be good things, not neutral or not bad, but things that can get in the way of our relationship with God if we're not honoring, if we're not treating them properly. God is concerned with it all. He's not just concerned with the bad things you shouldn't be doing. He's concerned with the good things that you should be doing properly and not turning into lords in your life. But it's not easy. In verse 23, Jesus says to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard. It is hard. If I asked you this morning to give up that thing that you know is in the way of your relationship with God, would you do it? Or would you wrestle with it for a couple months? My guess is you'd probably wrestle with it for a couple months. It is hard to give up the things that we cling to when we have an emotional attachment to something, when we are so embedded in that thing, when our, when our identity is attached to that thing, it is hard to give it up for the sake of Christ. And yet God is still calling each one of us to give that thing up and follow Him. Peter responds by saying, Well, we've done this, we've, we've left everything. We, <laughs> We, we must be okay then. And Jesus says to Peter, Yep, you and all the other disciples, this is your reward. You get to sit on a throne and judge the twelve tribes. Nice. But look at verse 29. Yeah, verse 29. And everyone else who has paid the price will inherit eternal life. You remember the original question was always about eternal life. The rich young ruler comes and says, what must I do? Jesus starts by saying, just be good. It wasn't enough though. It became a give up the things you're attached to. And the rich young ruler says, I can't. And he walks away. But Jesus says, anyone that does this, anyone who pays that price, anyone who's willing to give up the things we're attached to, they inherit eternal life and so this morning again you may be here with things you know you're attached to things you know need to be surrendered and you may be here and you're wrestling with this question of eternal life i think jesus is saying it pretty clearly to us if you want that you got to pay the price You've got to pay the cost. Are you willing to pay it? I'm going to invite the worship team back up to close this off in a song. And as they're doing that this morning, I invite you to respond in any way you feel comfortable. But if you know you've got stuff in your life, that it's time to surrender, it's time to submit to the Lord's calling on your life, I invite you to respond in any way. You can come see me. You can come talk to me after service. But let's give this time over to God. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down to earth people following Jesus in down to earth ways.